Hey, it's Bill, and you're tuned in to Three Questions in a Song, the show where the title says it all, except it really doesn't. Um, There is going to be a song. There's going to be a lot more than three questions. This is episode number 91. With me tonight is Aristotle Jones. Yes. Aristotle. Hey. How you doing, man? Um, Well, I I could be doing better, but I could be doing a lot worse. (laughs) You, You know, I was thinking when you said episode 91 about the year 1991. That was the year that I um I first learned what a palindrome was. You know what a palindrome is? I know I should. Um, isn't that the words that can go forward and backwards? Yeah, we can go forwards and backwards. So in 1991, I, I learned what that was. So I, I got good vibes about today. Nice. <laughs> Episode 91. <laughs> um, so... I spent most of the day today watching my Steelers win and still not make the play. Yeah, I watched <laughs> it. Yeah, that was good. Hey, man, that's promising. And, and what, um, Tomlin, nine and eight. So, I mean, honestly, like, what was it, the Big Ben? Um, who is it going to be like a big drop off? And honestly, like last year, they were nine and or nine and nine with the playoffs or eight with the playoffs. They ended up being an even record. Yeah. And this year, they did better than even. So, man, you guys got some promising things for the future. Well, I mean, they went seven and two after the bye. That's right. That's promising. It was I mean, still, honestly, the offense was ugly, but they were still winning. <laughs> dude, man, Pickens is amazing. I mean, you can throw anything. He, it's like he has fly paper and he has amazing balance. They, but in that one play at the beginning of the game with Najee Harris, um, did you see the way he kept his knee off the ground? They didn't even it, yeah, like the coaches. Even, yeah. They didn't even believe it. That's how good the players are. They're like making unbelievable plays, and it, <laughs> like the camera can't even pick up on this minute detail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let, let's talk a little bit about you as a musician. Sure, uh, I didn't give you the the forewarning that I usually do. Um, some of my questions aren't your normal question, but it's still going to get the answer that 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 we need. And that's okay. what I mean. Is it going to um, get twisty? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> a little twisty. All right, I'm ready. All right. So Aristotle, you're out on tour. Yes. And for some reason you hire me to drive the tour bus. Sounds good. What are we going to listen to between tour stops? Oh man. See, I love to just like let the person who's driving pick the music because I love to get inspiration from wherever. But I think if you're driving the bus and we're driving down, man, we're rocking out to like some Stevie Wonder Intervisions. And then um, that would be, oh, that's Oscar, my dog in the background too. But we're, he agrees. Um, yeah, some Stevie Wonder Intervisions. And then, man, you would put on like this Otis Redding tape that um, inspired me, like when I first started playing music. It, it's, it was like literally on a cassette tape that my buddy Billy Ray got out of a, um, dollar bin and it was just like otis redding's greatest hits but it had um you know all of his songs there's one like it's all i just remember hearing the horns and he did this cover of satisfaction and that when i when we play with my band i do a great cover of satisfaction as a soul song and it's just man you would dig it I, i'll have to, i'll send you the link so so those would be like two of the top of my playlist and then maybe like some um some um um supremes 
And then if we want to do something, you want to kind of kick it up into like a modern level, you'd maybe like do like a Leon Bridges, um, Kerrigan um, collaboration or something like that, or some Anderson Pack. Those would be on my top some of our playlists. Um, so in the movie Forrest Gump, okay, he's, sit, he's sitting on a bench, and that person sits down beside him, and there's that whole line about life is like a box of chocolates. Yeah, I was just watching Forrest Gump last night. <laughs> Look at well, that. we're vibing now, man. <laughs> so the person that sits down next to you is your musical hero Ooh. and they tell you that you you can ask them one question mm. so who is sitting down next to you and what are you going to ask them oh my goodness that's that's an excellent question i, I love the way that you you put that you know man right now if i could sit down with um my musical hero i mean it would probably be ray charles at the moment man like i would sit down and i would ask like ray charles at the moment when he was taking his music from um, like from audiences into a broader audience, like, Hey man, when you start, when you shifted and kind of went away from just like straight up boogie woogie and soul and bar and saloon style music, like, and you started creating this orchestration that could have mass appeal to like a broader audience. Like what, what, like, was there a moment of trepidation or was it like just like sheer excitement and confidence? Like what was that moment like when you're in the room, like recording like Georgia on my mind or something like that, or you're doing like country music or country Western style music. Um, and you're kind of like not quite in the midst of a black audience, not quite mixed in a white audience. And you're just being completely original, man. I think I could probably get a lot from picking his brain. I am um, actually just watched a movie Ray for the first time, probably about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had no idea that, that the state of Georgia banned him from play. Isn't that crazy? Like, man, like, and I, we're, we're doing an event coming up with um, – it's for the legacy of black artists here in West Virginia. Um, and I get to perform with an artist that was out on tour with Ray Charles. And he tells these really cool stories about just what it was like being on the road at that time. And it just blows my mind. I Honestly, like, to be able to hear how they could travel into, like, places where they just – were despised and then sit up there and the music was the message and that was the only ambassadorship that you could really get so so i would definitely love to have a like just be like yeah what was up man and speak with like a clear-headed ray charles maybe not a um you know you know other parts of his personality but i'd love to maybe just have like a clear-headed conversation with him <laughs> um so you can sit down to dinner with any four people in the history of the world who can mm. invite to eat with you Ooh. Oh, any four people in the history of the world. Well, man, I think that 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 actually leans itself to what type of conversation you'd want to have. Um, so like if I were to able to sit down with any four people in the world, man, I would probably put George Washington and Barack Obama um in the same room together. Um heck, man, I'd put Donald Trump in there and um honestly like just as like my dad and I would, and I would sit there and watch them have a conversation about all of like, like, cause it, I think it would be an interesting perspective for like the founding father, just to actually hear what he thought about the principles of America. Like, and then here we are now and then seeing like, okay, these two polar divergent mindsets. And then you have like somebody who's like, my dad is in his, He's, he's just about to turn 70. So he was in like the first um, segregated class to go to school to like a, a, um, um, a desegregated 
elementary school. And so he's lived like from that time to like now and like to kind of be there and to hear that conversation about like what America was supposed to be and what America is and where America could be going. Ah, oh, man, I did blow my mind, man. That, I, I, I couldn't imagine what George would think. <laughs> oh, who knows? I mean, he could be on either side of the coin, too, because, like, man, like, back in the day, like, man, just because he was a founding father doesn't specifically mean he wasn't, like, a a great personality, you know, like, really friendly, amenable guy personality-wise that you want to hang out with. That just kind of, like, um, means he was the guy that was the one in charge. Like, so so I think it would be interesting to to see, um, you know, not, not just polit- politically, but just, like, I think there would be a, a, a moment of humility a, a, a on the faces of both Barack Obama and Donald Trump, too, to be like sitting there and to have to explain both of their presidencies um, to the person who started the country, too. So I think it would go both ways. Um, so I think that would be a pretty interesting conversation. Um, and my dad's a great talker, so he would just probably just keep it going. They probably all <laughs> end up just listening to him at the end of the day. <laughs> Let's stick with kind of the time travel idea here. Sure. So you're leaving a show and you come across the DeLorean that's sitting Ooh. there with its door open and a flux capacitor in the back seat. Okay. What band are you going to go hang out with? And at what time in history will you be? Man, I tell you what, I would hang out. There was a scene. I don't know if it was true, but in the movie Elvis, where Elvis go, Elvis meets up with BB King, and they go to this juke joint on the side of Memphis, where Little Richard is playing piano. <laughs> so whatever party that was is the one I want to go to, and I want to I want to check it out. See, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you brought up BB King because that slides right into another question. <laughs> so Robert Johnson, mm-hmm. the blues guitarist, yeah. Um, uh, legend has it that he met with the devil at the crossroads and Mm -hmm. sold his soul to become a phenomenal guitar player. Yeah. Well, not necessarily selling your soul, but let's say that you go to that same crossroad and you meet with the devil. Um, What is something that you would sell your soul for? And really what I'm asking you is what is something that you really want? Like we don't so, so <laughs> you know, I've been I've been thinking about the. I, I watched a comedy special uh, with Trevor Noah, and he uh, he made a joke about the lockdown from COVID occurred because people were wishing on trivial things. He was like, "Oh man, it used to be like something special when you could make a wish, like um, you know, if it was your birthday, you got like one wish a year. But now people are like, oh, 'Oh, I'm wishing on it's eleven eleven and um and that kind of stuff.' And so it got me thinking." And then earlier today, I was um, li- listening to a book that was like the, the premise of the book was that you could um, buy wishes and wishes cost certain amounts of money. And so it was kind of like a parallel to life, you know, actual life. But you and um, and so I was like, wow, man, like there's this theme of wishes and um, keep coming up. And this would be something that I would consider along that line of a question. So if there is something that I was in. And a great bit of philosophy I got from a fortune cookie once <laughs> said, um, <laughs> you, you know, in order to, you're going to have to trade in everything you have for your new life. You know, to get something different, you're going to do something different. And so, so I, I believe, man, like if I was able to obtain anything through a request that I could have, 
it truly it would be an opportunity to let my musical light shine as bright as it can and and to connect and create opportunities for um for other people and that could connect the dots between the the narrative america of america like honestly i know it seems like a really weird and broad kind of like altruistic thing but i i think like for me finding a place in 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 um in the landscape of the fabric of america for like a rural country black guy and laying out an intersectionality like I, I believe there are more stories to be told so i would like my wish would be like let's embrace more of those stories because that gives more room for more voices not and and, and that ultimately that amplifies mine so I, I know that seems like a cheesy like oh man i wish all rainbows and fairy tales taste like <laughs> lollipops but but like honestly like you know I, I can't think of much more other than an opportunity or a chance that i would wish for you know cuz like other than that i believe i could do most of the everything else i need to do Hey, so now we're going to get a little dark for a moment. All right, let's get dark. (laughs) Away from the fairy tales and unicorn wishes. (laughs) (laughs) So there's an apocalyptic event. Nice. And it wipes out all but a handful Mm -hmm. of people on Earth. And one song from every artist. Ooh. Which Aristotle Jones song should Mm -hmm. remain behind and help repopulate the Earth? Ooh, that's a good one. So if you needed a song to repopulate the earth, that's going to be my song, Ready. It's grooving, man. It's sexy. It's like Marvin Gaye meets, like, ah, man, the Appalachian Soul, man. Honestly, like, but I think that's a good one, you know. I I wrote it because it's like um, sometimes you know and they know, but you you need that little nudge. And that's the little <laughs> nudge you need. <laughs> so hopefully that'll get some mojo working to repopulate there. <laughs> <laughs> See that, that question, like I it, you definitely picked up on what I was what I was putting down. But <laughs> some artists don't. And so it's cool to see the reaction. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's a good question. Um, you said it was gonna get dark. That wasn't dark, man. You might I, know, I, I killed off most of the earth, the ass. Oh yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> hey man. You got a better chance, man. The numbers are in your favor. <laughs> All right. So Kiss played in a bay in Australia to great white sharks. Okay. And Metallica played in a dome in Antarctica. Mm. What is a non-standard venue that you would like to play at? So Ooh. basically anywhere in the world. Like, okay, nice. I, I like I like that question because like it's um yeah, that that one makes you think. So if I if I could put on a concert anywhere in the world, where would I put on a concert? Man, I tell you what, man, that's a that's a stumper. <laughs> hmm. All right, get myself the question. I I've never really thought about that. Hmm. All right, here we go. So if, so if I was just gonna like say I was gonna put on any concert anywhere in the world. I would say, man, I would, and I could use anything as a as an amplifier. Ah, uh, man, I would say I'd probably go down to the bottom of the New River Gorge with some gigantic speakers down in in, um, in Fayetteville, West Virginia, right? Because like, what's cool about that is you there, you get that reverb, <laughs> yeah, and like you know what I mean, like, and, and it's a pretty um, it's it's a it's a pretty steep 
sheer side, you know what I mean? Like, so you're going to get it. And then, man, what I would like to do is um, then take microphones that were dispersed throughout the, the hillside as the echo was getting. And then I would like to remix that back and sample that. And so I'd kind of like try to feel the vibe of the, um, of the, the, just the gorge and see how, like, how, how one, how quiet I could be and still like get some signal, you know, and really do a dynamic show or two, just be really loud. So I would give a few different fun ones, man. I, I think that'd be a fun show. You well, how about you? Because I don't, I mean, that, that is interesting. I mean, that's a brain teaser. Where would you put on a, a rock show that would be non traditional? Um, I hate when my questions get turned around on me. No, um, because there I mean, is, I mean, you know what? In, in Central Park, I was yeah. there. Um, there's this like, and I don't even know what you would call it. It's almost like it looks like a bridge, but mm-hmm. it's not. There's like a brick walkway under it. Yeah, and when we were there, there was a a person in there singing, just singing, Ooh. and it, it the uh, natural acoustics in that area. Yeah, like you could hear them throughout the park. It was so cool. So you know, I one thing I want to do like that. Well, the nat- you talk about the natural acoustics, man. I want to, um, if I had a chance, I would just travel around the old buildings, like you know, what I mean, like and just like just see what it sounds like and just play in old structures that were across everywhere because i know like they used to make these buildings like before amplification that were like dialed in for acoustics and now they're just like pta buildings you know what i mean and so <laughs> so i would definitely try that out that, that's fun you can make me think i'm about to write a list now <laughs> <laughs> all right so i'm gonna give you one more question then we'll talk about your song that we're here sure. okay um tell me about an embarrassing moment you've had on stage Ooh. Well, I, well I, there's a few small ones that I have. Um, it, one was like, you know, when you get rocking out and you just whack yourself in the face with um, with the mic, that happens. And I always think, oh, God, I'm going to chip a tooth. Like, but that happens all the time when you really get into it. But there was this one time um, a few years ago, I was actually the MC of an event. And um, it was like a best of, um, you know, best taste test. So best of Morgantown. Um, chef taste test and so what i did was like at the end of it you know you got to name all the the food well you know of course there's a few drinks too so i'm sipping a couple of drinks and eating like this really delicious like high-end food that i wouldn't normally eat and then um i'm feeling good and they're like okay let's name the winners and so i named the winners and then all of a sudden i go and the winner is and i say the wrong one and they come <laughs> up and and they grab all this stuff and they're happy and then they come and tap me on the shoulder and they're like that's, they're not the winner. So I got to go over and take the prize from them and re-announce it. It is literally maybe like three or four weeks after Steve Harvey did that on um on the Miss Universe. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, so that, that was probably the most um, embarrassing. I, I've gotten to hop around. Like, like recently, I've been working out, so I'm in a little bit better shape. So, so I didn't realize I've been in um, – like it's good shape and I'm moving more on stage and I've been like bumping into my saxophone player a lot too, but <laughs> it gives me dirty looks and then we just keep grooving. <laughs> All right, so the song we're going to feature tonight is straight to you. Yes. As, as I told you off the air, this is like your MTV storytellers moment. Sure. What, what can you tell me about that track? Man, straight to you. I, I love it. It's a really fun song. I wrote it 
it was like the first day of 2020 when I wrote this song. Like I'm hanging out, we got the day off. I'm like, I'm gonna, this is time writing some songs. So on January 1st or January 2nd, I'm writing a demo for this song. I just had a um a tour that was scheduled like everybody else that I was going to kick off in March. So I wasn't planning on really doing much with the song other than kind of like using it to get in the rotation. And, um, but the thing was, is I wrote this really cool song that is about a musician that goes out on the road and he gets a little bit homesick and he wants to, you know, he's talking to his family back home. He wants to get home to him, you know? And so the lines are like, uh, you know, I want to be close to you, holding your hands and walking in the sand and, and being close and, you know, touching and stuff. And all of a sudden, um, boom, everything was closed. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't hold hands. You couldn't do anything. I'm like, I have this song that is completely inappropriate right now. Way too happy for the moment. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, you know, so it kind of got, you know, worked on and revised. Um, but the idea of, like, the song for me, I, I – I, where I live now is this little town called Osage, West Virginia, and it's on the northern end of Morgantown. So we're we're in the Pittsburgh um, metropolitan market, but we're like probably at the southern tip of it. And like it, it was this little coal mining town where my mom and my dad met, um, moved when I was first born, but where my granddad lived and met my grandmother and my great grandfather lived, and and so my family's been here for a long time. So when I moved here, I just kind of got like holed up and locked into this town and I couldn't go anywhere or do anything. So a lot of the songs that I wrote, I decided I was going to write about love in the context of what it means to um, be like what my grandparents would be listening to a little bit or what my dad was listening to or the music that inspired me kind of came through in the styles that I chose for the um for the songs. So straight to you, um, a lot of the influences for that were like Sam and Dave, Otis Redding, um, the early like doo-wop, rocky song, like rock and roll kind of sound. Um, but I, I used modern, um, um, kind of like modern samples and um, in styles, the way that the drums approached it um, was to kind of um, trigger a little bit like more of a modern groove to it. And so um, C.J. Wren did all the horn arrangement. David Haley played on the on the drums. Cody Bar Barcroft out of Buffalo, New York, played the bass. And um, and then we just like spent a little bit of time really making a really cool pop soul um, doo wop song. And I hope everybody kind of likes it. I hope everybody loves it, honestly. Like when I text you, but tonight I call. Cause sometimes the silly emojis just can't say it all. But hearing your voice when, when I'm far away, even when you're back home in those mountains, you still put a smile on my
That was straight to you by Aristotle Jones, who's hanging yeah. out tonight. <laughs> um, if you go back and watch the video, we just had a very funny conversation for about four minutes. <laughs> it was four, exactly four minutes. <laughs> it's who is your Dave Grohl? And by that, I mean. Nice. By, by that question, I mean, who do you want to go up on stage with and perform one of their originals? Ooh, that'd be fun, man. You know, like if I had a chance to go on stage with like Gary Clark Jr. or um, like a Leon Bridges or something like that and just get down. But that would be like a, like a guy that's out there doing it now. It, but um, man, if, if anybody like legacy, man, like Tina Turner, <laughs> you know, like you do like, a, you know, where I would be like, the, they do like old Ike and Tina song where um, she was still in there dancing and I was just like the guy playing guitar next to her. That'd be fun. What is a song that you didn't write that you wish you would have written? Ooh, um, All My Life by KC and JoJo. I know it seems, so I, man, you ever hear a song, like the, when songs come to me, I, I mean, like, I wish I could say I'm like the kind of person that could just sit down and lyrically focus into like the depths of the sea and write a song. But like for me, like I'll, it just all hits me and I'm like, it transmits through me. And then like, once I, I hear it in my head, and then I try to get it out. 
but th- for some reason, when I heard that song, I I had heard it before, and then I heard somebody else write it, and I was like upset. I was like, man, I wrote that song <laughs> at some point. You know what I mean? Like so. I'm sure I didn't, but that was kind of like when uh, I was in high school. So, I mean, I'm a little bit, I'm 43 now, but um, yeah, when, when I heard that song with that little piano, do, 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 and like I could play it on the piano, I could walk over to there and just play it as soon as I heard it. And it was just one of those great songs. So, so maybe I did write, I think too, like an idea doesn't, like there's the membrane, there's like the creative membrane of you, of whatever ideas come from. And then there's like the physical world where we try to capture those. So I don't think like, every, like an idea just kind of drifts up to that membrane. And if you're close to it, it touches you. You know what I mean? Like you might see it, you know, if you happen to be there at that time. So I think uh, inspirational muse can tap into multiple people at the same time. So maybe I just heard it and I wasn't ready to get it out. And then, you know, that whoever actually penned it for them, you know, if they were sitting at the piano at the same time, it just came out. That like um, there was a guy that um, um, Isaac Newton invented calculus, but there was another guy who invented calculus at the same time on the opposite side of the world. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. When did you realize that you wanted to be a musician? Can you pinpoint it? Yeah, man, I was about six years old. Um, I, I remember being. I was always really creative. Like I was, I would get toys. And, um, and I would, I would play with them, but then I would get like foil or twist ties off the garbage, you know, that they come in the trash bags or, um, or off of the bread and I would make men and airplanes and stuff. And so I was always like making my own toys and being creative and everybody just thought I was like this weird guy. Um, but when I, but I would just make up songs and bang on stuff and it would just annoy my mom. And she goes, why don't you do something constructive, like read a book? And I'm like, mom, <laughs> I made a drum kit. You know, she comes out to all of my shows now, but um, I was, I was hanging out with my granddad and, or at my granddad's house and he and my grandmother had to leave to go to an appointment. And so me and my cousins were all little kids. We're like, let's do something to, to surprise grandmother and grand, granddad when he gets home. And they're like, they're like let's learn a song. And so um, we learned this gospel song. It was um, by the Winans, the BB and CC Winans. It's like, tomorrow I give you life, tomorrow when Jesus promised you today. And so we, um, we learned that song. And then so my grandparents get home and we're like, we line up and we're like, we're going to sing you a song. And so there was this part that was like um, a solo where they really dig in and do like a mature like line and um, nobody else could sing it in the um, house. But I, for some reason, was confident enough to go up there. And I was like, and he said, tomorrow will even come to you. So you laugh and play, you know, and really was getting into it. I'm like a little six year old kid and everybody's like getting quiet. And, um, and then my granddad's like, hey, man. Why don't you come over here for a second? And I'm like, okay, did I do something wrong? Pass me on my back and goes, huh, I see you over there singing. You know, I'm a singer too. I'm like, what? You're a singer too? And so um, so he 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 proceeded to kind of show me like what he did. And he had this really big like Bob Brado, like Nat King Cole, like unforgettable. You know, I mean, I can't even Im- imitate it. Um, but he... Um, so like he was there right when I first learned I could sing. And then like recently, um, right before the pandemic and the lockdown, 
I lived with my grandfather after my grandmother passed away for about three years before he passed away. Um, and he was in a band whenever he was younger called the Gospel Heirs. And they traveled around from coal camp to coal camp in rural southern West, uh, rural West Virginia um, and to sing for the black coal miners because underground, Everybody was black because they had coal dirt on their face, but above ground, they kind of separated into their own communities. So they would pay different acts to come to their towns and perform. So they would call my granddad's um, group, the Gospel Layers, in to perform for them. So um, whenever I lived with them, he would tell me stories about that. He would give me all kinds of advice on how to run my band. And it was, we really bonded over that, which was a nice kind of full circle moment for me. But, um, he, um, we would go out and perform as the new gospel layers, and we would go to, um, you know, old, the old folks' homes and the, the rehab facilities and, and try to give back. And, and so one of the last things he said to me before he passed away, he goes, Aristotle, because I was talking, you know, you're, you got, you're trying to believe in yourself as an artist. And, and I knew he was kind of like declining in health, and I knew I was going to, my life was going to be changing and I was going to like really make a run for this dream of mine. And um, he could kind of hear a little bit of trepidation and wavering in my voice. And so he, his mind had started to slip, but he looked up to me and, and very lucidly looks at me in the eyes and goes, Aristotle, be yourself. You know what you're doing. Like you see your plan. So you don't have to explain it to nobody. You know what you're doing. And like, that was the moment for me when um, like things really opened up because it wasn't just I saw where I could go. Like he saw where I could go and other people were starting to see it. And he just let me know that man is like, and I, and I give that advice to everybody, man, just be yourself because like the, whatever vision cre creative, a new business, um, a romantic love, uh, a dream of being in better shape. Once you get that vision in your head, man, like you, the, the way to get there, it comes to you too. Um, we used to joke, but, um, and say it like this, but the truth is, is like when you ask for the blessing, you know, you ask for the work. So like when you say, um, what, what, what could, what could my wish be? You know what I mean? I, I know whatever I, I could wish, <laughs> I got to put the work in. So all I can ask for is an opportunity to do the work that I know is in my heart and in my brain and my vision. And so that, that those are the moments in my life that are really kind of shaped me a lot as a performer, as a singer. And my grandfather was a huge influence on, on my music and, and like kind of like my perspective of my place as a, soulful singer from rural Appalachia. So I'm starting to think that your parents picked the correct name for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a good old West Virginia, you know, well, we shoot the bull skeet here, man. So. <laughs> I, I feel like you think about what you think about. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I like to, you know, life is about a series of mindful moments. So, like, if you can allow yourself to be present, then you can kind of slow it down and enjoy it. You know, a lot of times we want to skip over, like, the hard stuff. But, man, like, man, it's paying your dues in life, no matter what it is. We're going to get to the end eventually. So, man, like, if you enjoy the ride in between now and then, then, like, chances are you got a good chance of living a good life. I just try to create opportunities for the people around me I call it radically being yourself. Like if I could be me, 
and not worry about it, then you should be able to be you too and not worry about it. And I mean, at least we can meet in the middle somewhere, you know, like and have an actual genuine conversation. Best pizza you've ever had. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, man, I love pizza. I love pizza and I love sandwiches, man. I think those are the two. Um, but there's this place in Huntington, West Virginia. That's where I grew up called Giovanni's pizza. They did this, um, man, right when I was starting out as a musician, um, like being in bands, I had this really cool band called, um, Aristotle and the Excellent Lovers. It was me and my best friend, Sam Lowe. And then we had a guy um, from Saudi Arabia named Farouk and a guy named Mark Grizib. And it was kind of like the foundation for um, like the sound that I have now. It's kind of experimenting with like a big, you know, eight or nine piece band. But um, so obviously it was like the early 2000s and money wasn't, you know, like I don't think bands have gotten raises and pay since like 1970. So like, you know I mean? Like we're, we're all trying to survive. And they had this pizza that was called the party special. And the party special was this huge ass pizza or this gigantic pizza. Uh, <laughs> and it was two toppings and a drink and a bag of chips. And it was like $20 or something like that. And we would get all of this. So this best pizza I had that, what, this one magical combination that we got this one time, I'm not going to say this was generally the best pizza overall, but this one magic pizza that we got was meatball and salami and somebody splurged and got um, pineapples on it. And trust me, it was the wildest pizza that you'd ever had. And it was delicious. So it was a meatball salami and pineapple pizza from Giovanni's in like 2004. <laughs> if, if you hadn't told me earlier that you didn't have a chance to, to listen to the show, I would have thought you were prepared for that question. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I love pizza. So you mean see, I go back and forth on pizza. Like I, my my philosophy on this, right, is there's not really any bad pizza. Pizzas are just pizzas. You know what I mean? Like they're objectively pizza. They're great. I mean, I think that's my feeling about them. Now, there's pizza I'd rather eat in pizza that um, you know, I mean, I'm not so fond of. But overall, man, I've eaten everything from like a um, Totino's pizza that I put in the microwave. You know what I mean? Like to like you know, pizza that is way overpriced. I'm like, man, I don't know if it's really worth that, you know? So, man, I think a good slice of pizza really comes down, there's the components, it's the bread, sauce, and cheese, right? The toppings are really subjective, you know? But, like, if you got good bread and you got good sauce and you use good quality cheese, it's really hard to mess up a pizza. It's, it's kind of like when you compromise on any of those toppings. See, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> So I, I named some of my questions. That might have to be the Aristotle question. <laughs> Tell me your philosophy on pizza. <laughs> All right. So since I mentioned naming questions, I have one called the Diesel Beast question. The Diesel Beast question. Okay. Yes. They are a band out of Denton, Texas. Mm. Um, they were on the show before this. Well, they were on the Pennsylvania Rock show before Three Questions. Okay. The song existed. And the question is, if you could play with any any band in the history of the world, mm. anywhere in the world, who would you play with and where would you play? And while you're Ooh. thinking about it, I'll tell you what their answer was. Okay. They want to play with Dio at Stonehenge. Ooh. And oh. that's a hard, hard, hard answer to top, which is why it's named after them. Mm-hmm. But... um. And they were the first band I ever asked it to. So, <laughs> you know, man, it had to be like George Clinton in Parliament 
and like man like at the statue of liberty or something crazy like that just like just like just funk liberation man just like a symbol of like the gloriousness of like the united states of the groove man like just lay it out there you know what i'm saying <laughs> like that's a bit but i think it would be fun to play with like george clinton in parliament like circa like um the mothership connection you know like when they had like the spaceship on stage and they were just like george clinton handing out like tons of counterfeit money and paying like it had to be an amazing time and so like if you could take that show anyway you know or, or like james brown you know what i mean like geez man if you could take like a, the, the James Brown machine, like when he's out there with everybody dancing on multiple levels. And like, <laughs> every, every time somebody brings up James Brown, the only thing I can, the pops in my head is the California Raisins commercial. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the fun show that I think would be really interesting to watch would be like James Brown at the Grand Old Opry or something like that. <laughs> because he would have it, he would rock it, you know what I mean? Or Johnny Cash at the Apollo or something like that it would just be like a. <laughs> you know, he said something, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Hey, Aristotle, last two questions for you. Sure. Uh, what do you have coming up next? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, coming up next now on Saturday, January 14th in Morgantown, West Virginia, we're doing a, a fantastic event called Those Who Came Before. There's a filmmaker named Doris Lady D. Um, Fields who who has done a deep dive into black contributors from the 20th century that um, throughout Appalachia and West Virginia specifically. Um, so there's all these like Johnny Johnson, Bill Withers, um, like the just tons of amazing artists that you maybe have heard of, but you didn't know from West Virginia. So she put together a film. So we're doing a film screening and then a MLK celebration weekend celebration concert with myself and two of our um, regional OGs, Bobby Nicholas, who's a soul singer and Al Anderson, who's an amazing soul singer as well. My band, we get to be the house band and it's going to be fun. You can go to AristotleJones.com and purchase tickets if you're, want to come to Morgantown. Other than that, we're putting together our tour schedule for this upcoming year. We're going to be traveling all over the the East Coast, so look for us for dates in Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina, West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland. Um, We travel regionally pretty strong. Cool. And um, where can people find you? Like, where can they find your music? Yeah. Check us out on all of the um, Aristotle Jones. Now, there's two Aristotle Joneses, believe it or not, on Spotify or Apple Music. One guy's a rapper from Boston. You know, man, you check him out. You might like him. His name's not really Aristotle Jones. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus or anything. <laughs> but, man, if you want to get the real deal, I'll watch yourself, man. Just look for a picture of me. And, you know, big smiling guy. Um, and on all your uh, social media platforms. And you can also um, just go to AristotleJones.com. I'll tell you what, that's the easiest way to keep up with everything that we have. Um, and, like, man, I post stuff. If you sign up for our mailing list, you can get a free download of my song, West Virginia Hills. Um, we, we're doing tons of really cool YouTube content that we post up. We've got a great YouTube channel. Um, live performances of the band. You can see me solo. You can see me with my 10-piece band. Um, so all of that stuff is out there. And I love messages. So shoot me a message. I'll message you back. And shoot, we might even create a little dialogue. We'll come to your town, rock out. Let us know where you're at. We want to come see you. Cool. Hey, I want to thank you for hanging out with me on episode 91. Dude, you're the man. You, I'm telling you, 1991, I was fifth grade, and I learned what a palindrome was, and it blew my mind. Like race car, that's palindrome. 
<laughs> See, <laughs> I'm trying to get a palindrome with Aristotle. It just it hasn't quite worked yet. <laughs> I, in '91, I would have been in eighth grade. Eighth and, grade, yeah. And that was when I met um, the Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh Penguins team that won the first Stanley Cup. Man, that was an awesome run, man. I mean, that was a good time for Pittsburgh sports because, man, the Steelers went to the Super Bowl not too long after that. They didn't win, but they went. Um, what else happened? The, the Pirates were in the you – know, like they were in – it was the Pirates and the Braves going back and forth. Yeah. Remember that? Um, what else was going on? And the Penguins infamous, were – Infamous Sid Bream incident happened in that. Yeah. <laughs> All of that stuff. The Pittsburgh sports was happening back when you – so you, you were just rooting for everybody, huh? Yep. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. So in, in our media market, it was the red. So they had the big red machine. Not, well, it wasn't even the big red machine. It was, um, I just remember Chris Sabo. You remember Chris Sabo? <laughs> he was a baseball player at the Reds. He wore goggles. I had goggles as a kid. So I loved all of the um, athletes that wore the Rex. That wore the goggles, like, yeah. like Eric Dickerson and, um, you know, Chris Sabo. And there was, uh, Eric, Hor- Eric Dickerson was an amazing Hor- Horace. Guy. Horace Grant for the Bulls, you know what I mean? I knew them all. I was like, yeah, man, we're the guy with the red specs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, with that said, guys, make sure you check out the th- three questions of the song on the 1st and 15th of the month. Every Friday, you can check out uh, the Pennsylvania Rock Show. And uh, every so often, you can check out Friendly Fire. All of that is available on buildthescene.com. You can also go to buildthescene.com slash radio and uh, – listen to unsigned and independent music and you can make your requests. Um, very shortly, I will be uploading the song that we just talked about straight to you, to the yeah. station. So you can request it there as well. Uh, with that said, we're going to call this one done and uh, we will catch you next time. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Catch You're you next welcome. time. This episode of Three Questions of Song has ended, but be sure to subscribe to be introduced to more on-site music from around the globe. Don't forget to rate and review the show, and we'll see you on the next episode.